Uh, we're learning Maseches Moed Katan, Daf Yud Zayin. We're starting two lines from the bottom of Tes Zayin Amud Beis, just the last two lines there. Um, and as you'll see, all, almost all of the two lines is just names. Uh, I don't say just in a minimal way, but as we start today's discussion, we're going to be discussing Nidui and Shamta, excommunication, still more. That's going to be the first plot, the first Amud. And the second Amud is going to be a brief sugya. Uh, trying to understand how one brisa contrasts with a Mishnah that we learned, and then we will call it a day. So let's get started. Test Zayin Amid Beis, two lines from the bottom. Amar Ibtanchum Bered Rebchia Ish Kvar Ako, Amar Rabbi Yaakov Bar Acha, Amar Rav Simlai. So it started with Reb Tanchum, all the way back to the Rebbe of Rav Simlai. The Amrila, and some say it wasn't that many generations of, of conversation. Rather, Amar Reb Tanchum, Amar Rav Huna, only two generations. And some say, just Amar Rav Huna He only he himself had said something. What did he say? So let's turn to the top of Yudzayin Amid Aleph. Talmud Shednida Lichbodo, a Talmud uh, meaning if there's a Rebbe and then there's the Talmud. So this Talmud puts somebody into excommunication. So the Talmud is Reuven, and he puts Shimon into excommunication. Talmud Shenido Lichvodo, who puts Shimon into excommunication for his own kavod, Niduyo Nidui. The halacha is that that is considered a valid uh, shamta, a valid excommunication. How do we know? Titania. We saw this price already, but now we're going to make a diuk on this price, one that we did not make yesterday. Menuda the Rav, Menuda the Talmud. We know that if a Rav puts a Talmud into Shamta, into excommunication, most certainly all of his Talmudim have to keep to that Shamta and treat Shimon like an excommunicated person. Menuda the Talmud ain't a Menuda the Rav, but if a Talmud puts someone into excommunication, if Ruvain the Talmud puts Ruvain the Shimon into excommunication, so then ain't a Menuda the Rav. There, the Rav is not going to be is not going to have to treat this person as an ex, as Shimon as an excommunicated person because it was only his Talmud that established it. Now, what's the diuk on this price? A third line, only as it relates to the Rebbe would this person, would Shimon not be in the, in the category of excommunication. But to the rest of the world, yes, he would in fact be in communication. We therefore see that a Talmud has the power to put someone into excommunication for the entire world, with the only exception being the Rebbe of that particular Talmud of Shimon. Lemai, what crime did Shimon do? What was the, the construct of the crime that he did? If he did something wrong, meaning he was breaking halacha, he was being mechal shem shamayim b'farhesya, there's nothing you can do for this guy. This is code word for saying, this guy is an excommunication across the boards. If he's being mechal shem shamayim b'farhesya, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to want him in Cheyrim for everyone, even for the Rav, not just for the Talmud. So it can't be that Shimon's crime was klape shmaya. el it must be lichvod atzmo, that Ruvain the Talmud was upset, and therefore he put Shimon into, into, um, into Cheyrim, into some type of shamta. And it was not for Kvot Shamayim, it was for Kvot Atzmo. And Afal Pikain, a person is still allowed to be put into Cheyrim for that way. Six lines down. Amar of Yosef, Tzorba Mirabon and Avidino Lenafshei. A rub is allowed to take matters into his own hands. The milsa de psikale, when something is super clear to him. So some of the Rishonim discussed this as follows. Let's say that I know that the, the pen that you're using in your hand is mine. I'm 100% sure. No sveikos, nothing at all to talk about. It has my name on it. It's a simonim, whatever. I can literally just take it out. Of here. I don't even have to go to Besden. I'm just allowed to take it. That's not a din Torah. Din Torah is when there's a lack of clarity. But if I know that it's my pen, you're holding a, a pen that has my name on it. That's my pen. I can take it without any without any uh, Bezdin process. 
Next, and there was a rub, the There was a negative rumor about him. Rashi here for three lines down. She He has a bad name. Some of the Rishonim specifically say that he had um, a bad name about him as it relates to Arayos with inappropriate illicit relationships. We'll see how this plays into the Gemara later with some Hashkacha Pratis of Mida Kenegat Mida. Amar Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Hey Avi, they're only rumors. What should I do? I don't know if I should put him into Shamta or not. If we say Lishmite that we should put him into Shamta, we should put him into excommunication, that's a problem. And he's a Talmud Chacham. He's a, he's a post whatever he is. Yes, there are rumors about him. It's problematic, very problematic, but nothing has been clarified yet. We need him. But lo lishmite, if we don't say something about him, if we don't put him into, into shamta, into excommunication, then then the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be dragged through the mud. This person's a rabbi is walking around with a kippah and he has these inappropriate rumors about him going around. So maybe we should put him into shamta. This was the question of the Gemara. So they asked Rabbi Barbachana, do you know what I should do? What should we do in a case where we hear rumors about a Rav, but the rumors are, are not confirmed? And if those rumors are not confirmed, then to put him into Shamta would be possibly too aggressive. But to not put him into Shamta might be a Chilol Hashem. So Amar Lei, Hachi Amar Rav Yochanan. Rabbi Barbarchana says in the name of Rav Yochanan, what does the Pasuk mean when it says, So the last part of the Pasuk of Kimalach Hashem is referencing a Rav. If the Rav is of the category where he's so erlich and so sincere and so from and he does everything right and he's Dome Lamalach Hashem Tzavakos, then beautiful, that's great. Then Then we can learn from him. However, But if he is not of, of caliber to be considered like a Malach Hashem Tzavakos, done, he's out. We should not learn Torah from him at all. And therefore, Shamte, Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda, put him into Chayrem. So interesting. Just, I mean, there's a suffix. We don't know what's going on. There's, there's, there's nothing guaranteed about this guy, but nevertheless, he was put into Chayrem. He's Tamil Chacham because he's, there are too many rumors about him. So uh, soon after that, Ichlish Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda became ill. There were a lot of rabbis who came to visit him. And this guy was one of the rabbis. When the group of rabbis, this whole uh, entourage of people came to visit Rav Yehuda when he was sick, one of the rabbis who was there was this guy, Shimon, who was put into, into, into Shamta, put into excommunication. When Rav Yehuda saw him, a smirk came over his face. Omar lay. This guy, Shimon, the person who was put into excommunication, says, Lo gavra. Isn't it enough that you already put me into cherem? You're also going to laugh at me when I walk in the room. That's not right. It's okay. You put me into cherem. Stop laughing at me. So Omar later, Behuda says back to him, I'm not laughing at you. When I go into that world, he says, when he passes away and Rabbi Yehuda is to go into the next world, my knowledge, my brain is calm. My brain is comforted. Even for a person like you, you had stature in the community, but still, I didn't pander to you and not put you into cherem. You needed to be put into cherem, and I'm just happy that I was strong enough to do so. Finally, last short line on the page of Zayin Yehuda, He finally did pass away. And this guy, Shimon, who was put into excommunication, went to the base medrash. He says to them, please take me out of this excommunication. The rabbis in the base medrash of Rav Yehuda said to him, Such a chash person like put you into into Cherem. So there's no one here who could take you out of Cherem. 
We just don't have anyone as powerful. Go to Rabbi Huda Nasiya, the grandson of Rabbi Huda Nasi, and maybe he can help. Maybe he can take you out of excommunication. So this guy, Shimon, who was put into excommunication by Rabbi Huda, went in front of uh, Rabbi Huda Nasiya. And Rabbi Huda Nasiya said to Rabbi Ami, Please go look into the halacha about this guy. Go look into the sugya. Find out what happened. And if you're able to get him out of this cherem, uh, then you should. Shari you should. So Ian Rabbi Huda Bedine, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Ami, Ian Rabbi Ami Bedine, Rabbi Ami looked into the din. And he was right about to uh, take him out of excommunication. But right then, for the first time in many years, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni walked into the base medrash. Amar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni al Ragla v'Amar u'Mashiv Chashel Beis Rebbe lo Nagu Chachamim Kalus Rosh Beniduya Shaloshanim. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni says, just like the Shivcha of Rebbe put someone into excommunication, and that person remained that way for three full years. Yehuda Chaverenu. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who's greater than the Shifcha, than the than the uh, than the uh, Amsa the Bey Rabbi, than the Shifcha of Rabbi, Allah uh, has kama You can't be so light, says Rav Shmuel Bar Nachman. Amar Abzera, my dekaman. Look what's happening in front of us. Let's look at this Ashkacha Pratis. The Asa Ha'idna Hai Saba Bevei Medrasha the Hakama Shani Lo Asa. It's been many years since Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmani showed up. All of a sudden, he walked in right at this time. It must be Ashkacha Pratis that Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want this guy. To get out of the his shamta out of his excommunication. Halfway down seven lines into the wide lines, Shmamina, Lomi Boyla Mishrale. So Lo Sharle. They finally decided, no, this guy cannot be let out of excommunication. Look at the Ashkacha Pratis of when he walked into the base medrashur. Shmuel Bar Nachmeni said no dice. So Nafak, this guy went out. He was crying and walking down the street. Asa Zibura, there was a, a, a wasp. Vitarke Aamse, and he got bit by Osamakum, he got bit bit and Bemakuma brisk, stung there, Vishakhiv, and he died. Take a look at Tosvos, top uh, Tosvos on the page, very short. Vitarke, he was bitten, Nashko Aamaso, he was bitten in Bemakum Habris. Vyeshma Forshem, Mida Keneged Mida, Mishum de Nechshad Biznos. Wow. That what was happening was that he was being punished, Mida for Mida, that he had done something, crossed some boundaries that led people to think that he was being inappropriate with women. And therefore, this was his consequence. After he died, they wanted to bury him in a cave where the Hasidi, uh, not Hasidish uh, like we understand it, Hasidi, like there's a level of Tzaddik and then there's the Hasid, uh, one of the highest levels of people, below Kibluhu. He was not received. Some of the Rishonim write that he was stopped at the gates of this, uh, of this cave, of this section of the, of the cemetery by a snake. That would not allow him to enter, but that's not what the Gemara says. Just some of the Rishonim do say that. And then they put him in a section uh, where all the Dayanim were buried, the Kibluhu, and there he was received. My time. Why is it that he was well received? Because the Avad Kirabiloi. Because much as he might have done things wrong, it was never clear that he did something wrong. The Tanya. What does Rabiloi say? Rabiloi Omer. If a person has a tremendous temptation. One that they cannot control. So then, go somewhere where nobody knows you. Go wear clothes that are dark clothing. And wrap yourself in dark clothing. Break what rules you are anyways going to break. But better you shouldn't do it in the community. At least be a mensch about it, right? Just do it in a way where you're not bringing down the whole structure. When you're a, when you're a, any if you're a from Jew, you walk around, you're doing something wrong in public. You're representing everybody, so you've got to be a mensch, and you have to make sure that you carry yourself properly. You have a yetsahara that you can't control. That's a problem. So then, at least do it in a way where you're not bringing down the whole house. 
What was the Shivcha Shal Beis Rabbi Mahi? What was that case where she put someone into Shamta? It says the Gemara, the Amsa, the Be Rebbe Chazisa Lu Gabra, the maidservant of Rebbe, saw that there was a man to have a Machi Libno God. He, uh, he was beating one of his older children, he was hitting him. She calls out that man, the father who's hitting his son, he needs to be put into Shamta. He's violating the din of the Tanya. What does the Pasuk mean? The Bryce explains. The Pasuk, when it says is speaking about a father who hits his older son. What is that son going to do when you hit him? He's either going to hit you back or curse at you, one of the two, both of which are Yisuri Daraisa, and you let him to do that. So therefore, he put it, the, she put him into Cherem. Reish Lakish have a mintar pardisa. Reish Lakish was once, was once watching over uh, an orchard. Asu, Gabra v'kachotene. And this guy walks over to one of these trees and pulls a couple of dates off the tree. Rama Bekali raised his voice. Don't take the food. It's not yours. Get out of here. Below Ashkachbe. The guy didn't listen. Omar, he, uh, he calls out after him, you need to be put into excommunication. Omar, the guy looks back at him and says, you need to be put into Shamta. He says to Reish Lakish, you need to be, you should be put into Shamta. If I stole from you, so then I owe you money. Then who says that I actually should be into Nidui? That's a great argument. And says the Gemara, so Reish Lakish didn't know the din. So Reish Lakish told this guy who stole, you should be in excommunication. The guy said, you're wrong. You should be in excommunication, Reish Lakish. Who was right? So And they said to him, his words about you were effective. And you, Reish Lakish, are now benidui. And what you said to him was inappropriate. And and he is not benidui. He stole something. He's not a good guy. He's a Russia, maybe, but he, he doesn't deserve to be excommunicated. But he just has to pay Tashlumen. Fine. So it says the Rish Lakish, what should he do? What should I do? It says the Gemara, go back to the guy who stole and ask him for forgiveness from, uh, from the excommunication in which he put you. It says Rish Lakish, I don't even know who he is. He was a random guy just walking through the field. If that's the case, then if that's the case, then you need to go to the Nasi. <clears throat> Why? The Tanya, three fourths of the way down, four lines into the wide lines. The Tanya, the Brysa writes, If a person puts you into excommunication and you don't know who, who was the person who did it to you, then go to the Nasi of that time and he will uh, help you get out of the Nidui. Next, if you have an Av Bezdin Shesarach that became spoiled, literally, literally became spoiled, but it means he's uh, struggling with his Judaism, to say the least. So the first time around, we don't put him into Nidui. Go hide out in your house. If he returns to his bad habits, so then, then this guy needs to be put into excommunication because he is making a Chil Hashem. You should not do that. Upliga, this is not so simple. Upliga, the Rish Lakish, we don't necessarily put this person into an excommunication. We never, we never do uh, a public excommunication of this person. We cover him up at night. It doesn't mean we don't admit his crimes. What it means is that we don't put him into a formal excommunication. And similarly, when Marzucho um, Chasida, when he would put someone, a, a Rav, into Shamta, when he would put a rub into excommunication. Wow, look, this is no uh, First, Rabbi Zutra Chasidi would put himself into 
uh, into nidui, into excommunication. Vahadar and then the and then the the student. when he would get home, shari he would take himself out of shamta, and then vahadar shari and then he would also uh, release the uh, the student from uh, his excommunication as well. So a single person can take him out of excommunication. Next line of the Gemara, like Michael says, You can put yourself into a, a, a shamta and take yourself out of a shamta. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah that, was, that was a little different, though. Last night was Nazifa. Last night was uh, it was, was fully self-imposed. This does seem to be different, that a Tamil Chacham can actually put himself into shamta. And the rules are different because one is community-wide, which is this. Right. The other one is not. So no aliyahs, no shalom aleichem. You can self-impose as a Tamil Chacham that I need to put myself into shamta. And someone says, I want to give you a shalom aleichem. And he says, I'm, I, I put myself in excommunication. It's different than the zifa. So there are differences, but it's a similar idea. This is more uh, this is more dramatic, where you're putting yourself into a proper shamta. Amra Papa, Tesili, I should get rewarded. The lost shamiti tzirbamei rabbanami elam. I never put a rub into, uh, into cherem. Says the Gemara, are you complimenting yourself or insulting yourself? What are you doing here? If somebody does need to be, but what are you going to do? Categorically, you never did it. That, that's only good if nobody ever deserved it. But if somebody deserved it, then you should have put him in excommunication. So what, are, what kind of compliment is this? Hey, what did you do? Says the Gemara, When we needed to give a rub, a consequence, we would sooner give him lashes than put him into shamta. Wow, which one's worse? Says the Gemara, uh, my shamta, what does the word shamta mean? So two approaches here. Amarav, shame misa. It gives you the name of death because it's a very public uh, shaming of your name. It should be like desolation. You're completely alone. You're cut off from the community. And uh, there's a machlokes about how effective and how powerful this, the, this shamta is. According to this approach, it's helpful just like uh, greasing the walls of an oven with fat would be helpful. And the Gemara assumes that we don't understand the subculture that they had, but they would do that. It would absorb into the walls and it would be good for the whole thing and it would stay there forever. Lakish says it's not like that. It's not like that. When a person's put an excommunication, it doesn't stay with you forever. Rather, just like when a person is put into shamta, it affects all 248 limbs. It leaves all 248. Namely, there is no remnant of it that stays with you. And how does he learn this out, Reish Lakish? That it enters all, all 248 limbs, but also fully exits. How do we know that it enters your whole body? Because the Pasuk says, That's how it enters the body. When a person uh, has uh, the uh, the shamta leaving them when they, their, their shamta is over. Shoyotza dechsi beroges rachem tiskor and rachem is begematria hachihavu is also two hundred and forty eight. Amar Yosef shadi shamta agnuvta dekalba. We're going to uh, place a curse on the tail of a dog. What is that talking about? We'll see in a minute. Veihu dida avda and once the tail is put into excommunication, the rest will fall into place. Okay, what was the story? There was a dog. And he kept chewing on the shoes of, of the Rabbanim. This is not a new story. Dogs have been chewing on shoes forever. So they were chewing on all the shoes of the Rabbanim. And they didn't know who it was. So all the rabbis said, whoever is eating our shoes, they should be the Shamta, the Shamtule. 
And then what happened? There was a fire that lit on the dog's tail and he died. He burned. It was all consumed by the fire. Don't chew the rabbi's shoes. There was this very strong guy. Remember the language from Bava Metzia called the Alam Gvar, whoever stronger, right? That's a language. Alam, Alma in Aramaic means strong. So he was messing around, bullying, whatever it was. And also the de Rav Yosef. The Rav came to Rav Yosef. Yeah, you're allowed. You have every right. Like we saw at the very start of the page that a Talmud, that you're allowed to put someone into Shamtu. He says, I would love to. I'm 5'10". He's 6'10 and uh, 350 pounds of muscle. Like there's no way that I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. Uh, put out a little petek about him, write a note. And, and, and he said, no, he'll kill me. So the Gemara says, fine. Now Rav Yosef gets out the Kabbalistic uh, you know, incantations and says, do the following. Go take this petek that you're going to write and put it into a pitcher, top of your Zion, put it near a, in, in the cemetery. And you're going to blow shofar a thousand times over 40 days. He did this. At that time, the pitcher exploded. And the person died. Wow. Not exactly called the Bezdin, and that don't mess around with the, the Talmudim of Rav Yosef. My Shifure, what's with the shofar? Says Igmar Shani Frein Mimenu. This helps to, to get payback, whatever that means. My Tavra, why did they do Tavra? What's Tavra from the tough and shin and Aramaic are interchangeable? Shavra, Shvarim. Do, 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 right? Remember the three sounds. Why that one? Yehuda, Tavre, Bate, Rami. What does that mean? Third line of Rashi. That this shofar can break down even the greatest of people, even the strongest of people. The Tanya, fifth line of the Gemara. That when the Chachamim put a negative look at someone, then that will cause for either death or destitution, one of the two. All, that's all for uh, Shamta. We've learned quite a bit about excommunications. Let's learn one more sugya. We're going to be stopping two lines before the wide lines, and that will be a wrap until Sunday. So we have said that a person's allowed to get a haircut if their Nazir or Mitzorah status ended on Chol Hamoid, then they can get a haircut. Is that true only if the Mamish didn't have time? Like, really, their, their Tuma ended on holiday. Really, there was, it ended two days before their Nazirs or their Mitzorah status, but they just forgot to get a haircut. We have a Brisa. It has, it has to be that there wasn't time beforehand if they plan on getting a haircut. Um, if there was an Avel who had time, then uh, Asurim, that's not allowed. And Nazir, that if you have a Nazir or a Mitzorah, even if they had not time beforehand to get a haircut and they didn't mutarim, they're all they're for sure allowed to because they can't bring their korbanos until they get their haircuts. And if they delay getting their haircuts, we don't want there to be a scenario where they push off their korban too far. What does the Brisa say? This is another Brisa. Tana, Kohen Avel, mutarin Bigiluach. But three lines ago, we just said Avel that had the time is Asurim. So now we have to answer the contrast of these, uh, this, this Brisa and our Mishnah. Does an Avel become an Avel during Cholamoid, or does he become an Avel after Cholamoid? After the second day? Well, are you an Avel if someone passes away during Cholamoid? Is, I, I believe, the question. Oh. Um, well, there are halachos that pertain to you, yes, uh, because especially in Cholamoid, you're allowed to bury someone, so for sure. 
I would ask a question a little differently, which is, are you in Avelis on the, on the second set of, let's say on the final day of Yom Tov, are you in Avelis? Because you can't bury someone. So well, it's like Shabbos. It's like Shabbos. So technically, no, there is no Avelis on Shabbos. The Shabbos, you're, you're not even an Onin yet. You still fulfill mitzvos, I believe. Right. I believe so. You still make brachos, whatever it is. I'm, right. pretty, I'm pretty sure that's the case, but not 100% sure. Right. Right, so Tana Hakoin Ba'avel Mutarim Begiluach. We have to figure out how this one line of Hakoin Ba'avel Mutarim Begiluach works out with our Mishnah. So says the Gemara, let's go through both parts. Hi, Avel Hechidami. What is the case of the Avel? If the eighth day from death, meaning he's no longer in Shiva, if that falls out, on Erev Regel, Iboy Leili Gluche Be'erva Regel, then that's when he should have gotten a haircut before the Chag, and he should not get one on Chol Amoy. Ella, maybe the case is, Shechal Shmini Shelo, Lios B'Shabbos, maybe the eighth day of his, meaning uh, he's no longer in Shiva, it's now day eight, it was a Shabbos, which was Erev Regel, so the day before the Regel was Shabbos, and he couldn't get a haircut. So says the Gemara, if that's true, Iboy Leili Gluche Erev Shabbos, then he should have gotten a haircut on day seven, not day eight, which was a Friday. We don't know what this is talking about yet. Excuse me. So we see that in a case like that, he should have gotten a haircut beforehand, even if it's the seventh day of his Avelus, he still should have gotten that haircut if, uh, prior to the Chag and not during Chol HaMoed. So then we're back to our question. What is the case of an Avel? So says the Gemara, Lo tzricha, rather it must be the case is Shechal Shvi Shelo Lios B'Shabbos Erev HaRegel. So here's the flow of events. The seventh day of, so seventh and final day of his Avelus is on a Friday and Yom Tov starts after Shabbos. So now what? It's not that Shabbos is the, is the eighth day. It's that Shabbos is the seventh day, and therefore Friday is the sixth day. So Tana Birah, the new Brisa that we just saw today, fine, he can get his haircut because that they only mix us Yom Kikula. We paskin that way in Avelis as well. That's why on the seventh day of a person's Avelis, they daven Shachris, and then the whole Avelis is done. That the Shiva at least is done. Uh, the cave on the Shabbos have an anusu, and therefore you can get a haircut during Cholamoy. But Tana Didan, the author of our Mishnah, Savar Lakirabon and Damri, Lo Amin and Mixasayim Kikulu, Vakati Lo Shalem Avelus to Shiva, and therefore he'd be able to, uh, and, and therefore you should not get a haircut. Okay, his Avelus didn't end. What was the case of the Kohen? Hi Kohen Hechidami, because we had said in the Brisa that a Kohen is allowed to get a haircut. Ilema de Shalem Mishmar to Erev Regel. If he finished his mishmeres before the regel, so then regel, then he for sure should have gotten a haircut before the regel started. So says the Gemara, the case of the coin and the brisa lotzricha the shalim mishmarto biregel. His mishmar finished during the chak. That was when his week ended. And Tana Didan, our mishnah, which forbids getting a haircut, savar kevan ditznan b'shlosha prakim b'shanu yikol mishmar shavos be'mur haregalim lubechiluk lechem apanim. Three times a year, your mishmar is really irrelevant because all coin are eligible for getting a murim body parts and for getting lechem apanim. Therefore, command it's as if you didn't finish your, your mishmar, even though on paper you did, but because you have extra access to the emurim and the lechem aponim and chag, therefore it's as if it didn't finish. The Tana Barah, the Tana of the Brisa, which writes that you are as a coin allowed to get a haircut, even though it's taka true that you have the privilege of a coin of having access to the emurim and lechem aponim during the chag, even though it's not your mishmar, still his mishmar still finished and therefore he can get a haircut. We're going to stop right here and pick up again. Sunday night, wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos. Uh, Ruchim to you.